Welcome to the Moving Forward Podcast, where we discuss all... I'm sorry, we were talking about radio voices before. <laughs> uh, welcome to the Moving Forward Podcast. Uh, my name is Corey Cottrell, and uh, this is my uh, my co-host, Rio Verdenier. Hey, guys. Nailed it. <laughs> anyway, on uh, today's uh, podcast, we are going to be talking about uh, uh, two policies of Andrew Yang's, one of which is democracy dollars. Uh, that uh, is one of my personal favorites, uh, and one that is preventing corruption among federal regulators, uh, which of course is extremely necessary. They're kind of linked. We were talking about a little bit before coming on air that uh, uh, that they definitely have some uh, some through lines that uh, we think are really interesting. Uh, and I actually haven't even read the preventing uh, corruption among federal regulators yet, so I'm excited to do that. Uh, but we I've are. Read gonna... it, but I'm excited to hear you read it. <laughs> I keep right. teasing Corey about his radio voice. No, it's, like, I just—I didn't think I had one, but I, I mean, hey, whatever works. Uh, so uh, yeah, so we'll, we're going to start with uh, with democracy dollars. I'm going to do the regular spiel. I'm actually going to read through the entire policy uh, so that we have a good baseline, uh, and then of course we will discuss it from uh, our two uh, variable, though not nearly as variable as uh, one might think, uh, perspectives. Uh, you know, from the progressive and, and, and conservative side of things. Um, so uh, democracy dollars. The trend over the past half century has been to allow unfettered spending in elections. This culminated in the decision made in Citizens United allowing unlimited money to be spent by corporations in elections. Uh, it's no surprise that this has resulted in mega donors flooding the pipes of our democracy. Uh, we need to diminish the influence that mega wealthy individuals and companies have in our elections. While we must push for a constitutional amendment to allow our campaign finance laws to properly limit the power that the top 1% have, we must act much faster to save our democratic processes. To do so, we must make it possible for all Americans to contribute to candidates they feel strongly about in order to drown out the voices of the few who can spend millions of dollars to influence our politicians. The easiest way to do this is to provide Americans with publicly funded vouchers they can use to uh, donate to politicians that they support. Um, every American gets $100 a year to give to candidates. Use it or lose it. Uh, these democracy dollars would, by the sheer volume of the U.S. population, drown out the influence of the mega donors. It has been uh, used in Seattle to great effect, and we can take their program national to move towards publicly funded elections. Uh, the quote, uh, the big problem right now with uh, running for office is that you have to get the money on your side and the people on your side. And these are two different things. Imagine if every American had $100 to give to their favorite candidate. Then if you get 10,000 people behind you, you get a million dollars. You could then act in the best interests of the people you represent instead of sucking up to rich people and companies. Calling rich people for money is soul crushing. Uh, we'd all be better off if politicians just needed to worry about representing the people they elected to, uh, that elected them rather than hustling for money all the time. A frickin' man. So problems to be solved. Under current Supreme Court jurisprudence, individuals can contribute huge amounts to influence elections of politicians. Uh, amending the Constitution to prevent this or nominating judges to overturn it can take decades, and this is corrupting our democracy right now. Um, so as president, I will provide every eligible American voter with a $100 uh, democracy dollars voucher for each federal election cycle, a voucher that they can use to support candidates of their choosing. Uh, this amounts to $23 billion nationwide per election, allowing for more than 4x the spending fueled by mega donor contributions and dark money, uh, which is pretty rad. Um, so just off the top, the first thing, and this is my second read through on this, I've read ideas about like this before, and I'm a huge fan of them. Um, I was thinking about you know, my, uh, my buddy Greg is running for mayor here. Uh, and, and, you know, I've got some friends that are running for county commission that we, you know, sorely need. So we're in like a bunch of local 
you know, political fights. Uh, we're going to be running uh, somebody for Congress here locally. The, the, the difference that that would make just here locally would be tremendous. It would be huge. Um, it, like almost unspeakably huge. Yeah, I, I, I really like this policy. Um, it's basically, it, it has, we, we've been talking about how there's this through line in all of Yang's policies. It's about empowering regular people. It's, um, it's it, it, you know, a lot of people on the left are talking about public funding elections and a lot of the ideas that they're talking about in a way are actually disempowering people. Because if you, you know, if you, if you give enormous power to, for example, the parties to kind of take taxpayer money and just spend it on elections, that's not actually really helping regular people all that much. That's helping the parties at the expense of regular people. On the other hand, if you do what Yang's proposing and you just give like vouchers cash vouchers, essentially not redeemable for cash, but they're like vouchers that are worth a hundred actual cash dollars. If in, you know, if you get it in the hands of a, of a politician you support, that is empowering regular people. That's saying like, it's making, it's doing what public funding of elections should do, which is making the elections more democratic and more accountable to people. Well, think about uh, the, like the industry yeah. itself explodes, right? Like the, the uh, uh, last presidential yeah, election. really good for the economy too, actually, because that's a lot of ad money people are buying. Hey, right. Corey, imagine how many ads we can sell for our podcast. If our- I'm legit. <laughs> I didn't even think about it in terms of our podcast, but suddenly both my nipples are hard. When, 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 we get, when we get enough listeners, you know, we can run for office ourselves. Well, not me, because my wife would divorce me, but you could run for office. <laughs> no, I think, I think the same thing. I think, uh, but at the same time, we could have Andrew Yang gang people that are running, you know, like, like Justice Democrats that uh, start joining the Yang gang banner. Uh, we would be interviewing all of them. Uh, and uh, charging them a million dollars a piece to come on the show. Uh, and, uh, but I was thinking about like the, the, the number of people that are you know, engaged in the process now, right? It's kind of pathetically low. It should be, it should be a lot higher. You know, imagine the change when you know, the whole use it or lose it thing comes into play. You know, you've got this incentive to make a decision um, and there will be people that are farming, like, like they're going to ask you to be engaged because there is money on the table there right? Like billions of dollars on the table to go to Joe Schmo in the middle of, uh, you know, Timbuktu freaking Pennsylvania and ask him what his opinion is. And also, could you please support my campaign? Yeah. Right? People would be more engaged in politics. They'd be less cynical. I, um, I, I enjoyed that Yang's platform as it's just, as his policy is described. Um, you know, he, he points out that it's just impractical to amend the constitution. Um, I would even go so far as to say, like, in my opinion, I don't think, I don't think we need to amend the constitution on that one. I, I think that if, you know, we've, I said this before, but I think if, you know, corporations um, and individuals want to make donations to campaigns, they should be able to. Um, but what's so lovely about this is it's not taking away the freedom of, of people to do that. It's instead, it's solving the problem. You know, there's two ways of solving problems like this. One is, oh, you got to like restrict the freedoms of, of the bad actors. Another option is, hey, what if we just make it possible for everybody to do this too? And, and so that's what it's doing. And, and, we're, and in terms of funding it, we're talking about chump change. You know, let's face yeah. it, 20 billion bucks or whatever. That's nothing. It's a rounding error. It's enough. It's a, but it is, like they said, four times um, what people currently spend, um, which sounds obscene, but then when you think about it, it's like, oh my gosh, if every American had a measly hundred dollars to donate, we would have four times as much as corporations. Corporations would just stop trying. Honestly, they'd be like, man, it's not worth it. We can't do it. You know, like, I mean, some of them would keep doing it, but like what's happening. You've got to compete with it. You know, I All think you're sudden, right. I yeah, really like, do. Especially you know, if you the only reason they do it is because the payoff is more than it costs them. Right. So if you, right. if this, this is a way of just making it 
impractical because they're now competing with regular people. This, this makes me think about, you know, so, uh, so AOC did the, the people funded campaign, right? And uh, uh, she won, she's in Congress now. Um, and, you know, we watch what she does with a whole lot of interest because if you, if you see her in uh, uh, the hearings, she's really, really good. Um, you know, she's, she's getting concessions from all sorts of different people and, and actually grilling people in a way that's amazing. And people are asking other Congress people are asking like, how the hell are you doing all this? And she's like, well, you know, when you show up, uh, some guy from JP Morgan tells you that you have to hang out with these lobbyists. This is real on the democratic side. They literally, you know, have some guy, they tell you afterwards, or if you ask that he's from JP Morgan, but they don't actually front that up, right? They give you this spiel about how you have to, you know, a, a normal congressperson's day is, you know, you talk to a couple of, uh, uh, you know, plebs constituents, I mean, uh, and then you, uh, you know, talk to, uh, talk to donors for five hours. And then if you have time, you read some policy, yada, yada, yada. Right. So, you know, when they asked the OC, how the hell are you doing all this? She's like, I've never called a donor except to like thank people donors that, you know, we do that kind of thing all the time. The whole time that you people are doing that, I'm in congressional hearings where you guys aren't. Um, and I'm, you know, making, uh, making shit happen for my constituents in a way that, that everyone should be doing. That should be standard. Yeah. And, it, and, and it wouldn't only be good for, uh, people on the left would be good for everybody. I mean, yeah, we, 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 want, we want our elected representatives doing what we actually elect them to do, which is to do the hard work of really going over with a fine tooth comb the policy that they're voting on. That's what they should be doing. Um, and I know they have like assistance for it and stuff, but let's like <laughs> on, lean on your assistance that much. Right. Uh, yeah, know your know, stuff. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, know your stuff. And, and there, is, there is a concern. I mean, obviously if, if uh, you're getting, you know, there's a, there's a quid pro quo happening. You know, let's be honest. Like it's a legal term. It's hard to prove, but it's happening. Like, no, it's not hard to prove at all. It's totally like, happening. Yeah. Huge company. Well, I mean, and also frankly, like, um, you know, uh, if, if you're talking about activism organizations too, you know, like if a big LGBT organization gives a bunch of money to a politicians because they expect them to turn around and vote a certain way. Right. So like, that, that's just how it works. I, I like this policy a lot because I, I, I do think that if people want to give money to a politician, they should be able to do it. I don't want to take yeah. that away from anybody, but I like the idea of making it a more of a level playing field so that, um, you know, yeah, like you said, if you get an, if you, a measly thousand people or 10,000 people or what, you know, like just a, you know, a small number of people on Facebook, gosh, I think I have like 10,000 followers on Facebook right now. You know what I mean? Dude, like that's so realistic. I'm telling you right now, we would, we would win the next congressional election in Pasco County easily. Right now, the, the Republicans are funded by all the developers that are basically building all the new malls that are going to be closed in five years, right? Like, it's a huge problem. They're all- that just sounds like bad business, though. Why it, are they it is, but they, here's the thing. <laughs> the, the, all, the, the developers get paid to build it, not to keep it, right? And all the developers are literally the ones that are all on the donors list of all the people that are, uh, are, are running the county uh, and, and the, the congressional area as well. They literally just build shit that no one's ever going to use. Yeah, but somebody owns it, right? You know, right. like who you owns get, the mall? person is going to get right. screwed. <laughs> you get tax breaks for bringing the business in, right? Yeah. And they're they're not doing impact fees. They're not doing any of this stuff. So, like, the, the, although those malls probably would do better if we had the freedom to fit in. <laughs> oh, a million percent. Yeah. Seeded. Seeded. Yeah. No, I mean, like, that's just terrible. Don't go into a place where people don't have money to spend and build a giant shopping mall. And again, that's while malls money. are closing ten miles away. Yeah. Right. Like it, it, it's really, it's really stupid. And this, this one, the dem democracy dollars would, would totally just knock that in the face. I want to go back to something cause I think it's going to come back over and over and over again. And, and, and it, it was something that you said, it was, I think really, really profound. Instead of limiting what people do, we want to just let make it so that everyone can do it. 
And yeah. that's something that I didn't spend anywhere. Like I didn't think in those terms enough. Um, and now I find myself thinking about it all the time. Cause it really is the, the through line probably to every single one of, of these policies where people are actually involved. It's, it's well, kind of going to be like, if you think about it, it's so easy to come out with like pie in the sky policies and say like, yeah, I supported a, a con I support a constitutional amendment to overturn citizens United. Okay, great. Yeah. Well, that's easy to say. It's never going to happen. Okay. Well, so what's so great about uh, this is that it, it actually, it actually is going to happen. Uh, if they're about, I think 17 states into ratifying it right now, but it's, is it going to take another 10 years? Probably. Or, uh, 10 this or 20 or 30. I, yeah. I, but the, but if you're running for president and that's on your platform, I kind of take that with a grain of salt. Right. Whereas no, like, like, yeah. Right. It's like, if it, if it does happen, it's because it's going to be a grassroots thing. You're going to get people on the ground in every state doing it. Right. It's not going to yep, be something. That's what's like, happening. But what, but what Yang's proposing is something the president can help happen because it's like yeah. a cheap policy that Congress can pass and he can sign. And seriously, it, in a very real way, it's actually better than getting rid of Citizens United in a way that I never would have freaking thought of. Dude, high five, high five, finger guns. Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> finger guns I'll, all around. I'll second amendment all over the place, man. <laughs> no, like that, for real, like that, 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 that's a thing that, that, it's just a way of thinking. And it, it goes back to, it's kind of like a catchphrase, but I think it's important for exactly these reasons. Changing a scarcity mentality into an abundance mentality, right? The abundance mentality is, can we, you know, uh, uh, as a country afford $23 billion to completely freaking juice from the bottom up our entire democracy? Fuck yeah. Yes, yes yeah. that sounds like a great idea, right? So just, it's such a simple- And, 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 and it would- it very well could be the greatest return on investment that we've ever had. I agree. I mean, that is, that really is chump change. I mean, it sounds like a lot of money to me. It sounds like a lot of, a lot of money to everybody, but in Washington, they're like, oh, geez, come so on. So a $2 trillion <laughs> budget, yeah. it's it, like, it's, yeah. it's 0.25, even if it's a $1 trillion budget, it's a, it's a 0.25% of the budget. It's nothing. It's, yeah, exactly. Um, and and it, it would be an enormous ROI because now what's going to happen? Oh, all of a sudden, all of the people in Congress are going to be more accountable to regular people. I think it was Harvard did a study that showed that like there was, they were looking at what the, what the connection is between how individuals in a district responded to polls about their policy preferences versus how their representatives voted. And they came to the conclusion that there was literally no correlation between those two. Things. Unless you're a billionaire. Yep. I've seen the study. Yeah. It's a real thing. And so like, yeah. what would this do? This would fix that. And it would do it in a way that costs the equivalent of like a couple of cents a year from each American citizen. You think like, really how many, how many politicians who have to spend five hours of their life literally kissing up to rich people, corporations, whatever, right? Yeah. Um, collections of money. How many of them would like day one, just back this instantaneously, right? And it, like with, with a presidential candidate. You no, know, that's a good point. They might do it just because they're like, oh my God, I am so tired better. of fucking up to lobbyists. Right? Like, you know, that's a, that's a, by, by the way, I really, I really dislike the populist like um, spin on things that like, or, like politicians are all these evil crooks. I think a lot of them are decent people or even good people who are just stuck in a really effed up situation where they feel like well i want to do good but the only way i can do good is i get reelected, and the only way i can get reelected is if i do this so they feel like they have to jump through these hoops right and i think you're right man i think i think that i think and also it's 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 nonpartisan. like this does this doesn't benefit one party more than the other you know right. what i mean mm -hmm. like all those all those uh pro-gun candidates would do great 
realize how much money they would get, right? I mean, uh, this is good for both parties. Not as much as you think. Oh, they would get so much. I mean, it, it's 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 possible. Uh, <laughs> and this is this is the thing too. Like the the. But I guess my worry would be, you know, when you've been in that system for long enough, you do turn into Mitch McConnell and he is an evil piece of shit. Right. So like that just isn't true. Um, well, I mean, it's, it, it doesn't help that he looks like a Ninja Turtle villain. He doesn't even look like a Ninja Turtle. Yeah. Maybe a Ninja Turtle villain. He just no, looks like, like the, the, yeah, he, he definitely looks like a 9 million year old turtle, uh, which is, which is sad. Sorry, Mitch McConnell. I'm sure that at one point in your life, you were a very nice person. You know, well, I mean, if he, if he were standing up for real conservative values against the Trump administration right now, I'd be defending him, but he isn't. So I won't. Um, but yeah, so like there, there are those people that are so entrenched in that system that, that, uh, and have been there so long that like, how dare you upset my apple cart? Uh, but I think I think you're right, right? Like people going into Congress for the first time, I think they still they still have that new car smell, right? Like the and and you know they haven't really had to spend say a decade calling corporations and doing that whole lobbyist game and whatever. Yeah, no, I mean I'm sure that there are some people who you might call the establishment who would push back against it a little. Oh, bit. and on the Democratic side too, right? Like that the the yes. yeah. 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 And, 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 and to be honest, like, I don't, I don't, I don't really think that, you know, being pro corporations gives them that much of a stink. Like I, I'm fine with corporate dents. I'm fine with corporate Republicans. That's not what this is about for me. It's not that I think it's bad to have pro corporate policy. I just want to see, like, I just want to see more competition that if you think about it, that's like super conservative. Like let's create more competition. Let's right. have the, the market of ideas out there and see who wins. I mean, this is not my arguing face. <laughs> <laughs> all right should we move on to the other policy we can, yeah, always, we can always double back if we think of something no else. no i think i think that uh i think i think we went down the rabbit hole and came back out um shockingly we uh totally agree uh all right so uh, preventing corruption among federal regulators uh so the office of the president is admired throughout american society just kidding not anymore however that respect has been capitalized on by recent presidents for personal gain six digit speaking fees and lucrative board positions fuel the perception that the president may go soft on people that he or she could receive fees from after leaving office uh talk about like firing a shot right across clinton's bow bow um deservedly in order to uh, combat this we should raise the president's salary from the current four hundred thousand to four million uh, however anyone who served in the office would be barred from accepting speaking fees or lucrative board positions for personal gain after leaving office um, and it's not just the president any number of people working at regulatory agencies know that they have lucrative job offers waiting for them within the industries they're currently regulating they have an economic incentive not to burn any bridges in their current positions before moving into the industries they're supposed to be policing on behalf of the rest of us cabinet members and heads of regulatory agencies should have their salaries increased from uh, 275000 to $1 million, uh, but be barred from accepting any speaking fees or industry employment for 10 years uh, post-service. Uh, so this is the quote, uh, government jobs don't pay as well as high-level private sector jobs, which leads to a revolving door between government and industry. Often, industry will pay a government employee five to 10 times their salary after they leave office. This makes it very natural for regulators to go easy on the companies that they regulate. Uh, we need to immunize those in charge of government from market forces by compensating them at higher levels and then making it so that they can't go back into their old jobs. Uh, corruption in this case would be diminished by paying government officials more. Uh, the government has a pressing, uh, oh, sorry, the government has a printing press. It should be using it to empower regulators to act on behalf of the people instead of relying upon officials ignoring their own economic interests. Uh, problems to be solved. 
the respect people have for the office president is damaged by the view that presidential policies are sometimes subconsciously motivated by a desire to have lucrative offers and good relationships after leaving office. Um, I mean, or at least just the perception of that. Uh, regulators, regulators have an economic incentive to take it easy on the industries they're regulating. Um, I would add, you know, the people coming out of the oil sector to, uh, to, to run that regulation is stupid. Uh, so goals, allow the president to promote policies free of undue economic influence. Restore the trust people have that the president is motivated by helping them instead of sorry uh, by helping them instead of the people who have the most lucrative post office offers. Empower regulators and policymakers to make decisions free of market influences. Uh, so, as president, I will uh, and of course this is Andrew Yang uh, increase salaries for government officials that operate in a regulatory capacity to much higher levels. Bar anyone serving in a regulatory capacity from working as a lobbyist or within the industry they were regulating after leaving their position. Pledge to accept no speaking fees or board positions for personal gain after leaving office. Request that the president receive a $4 million, uh, uh, raise the $4 million, but then be barred from any speaking fees or board positions for uh, personal gain after leaving office. Uh, so they go through a fairly uh, 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 lengthy part of uh, the War on Normal People. By the way, I would recommend, if you haven't read the, uh, the War on Normal People yet, uh, do it or grab uh, the Audible version is, uh, is fantastic as well. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, I'll just add that, that, uh, uh, Yang has said that he would sign that into, uh, um, you know, into law, uh, but not actually take the increase. So it'd be presidents that show up, uh, after him, uh, which I thought was a, a pretty good tweak. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, otherwise they're going to claim that he was just motivated by wanting to get a bigger right. salary. Exactly. You know, I mean, um, I could see, I guess we should address that because it would seem like raising, we were talking about pretty big bumps in the salaries of a lot of people. Um, it would seem like uh, doing that uh, would uh, possibly turn off a lot of people, both on the left and the right. On the right, because they'd be concerned about spending, and on the left, because they'd be concerned about, I don't know, greed. Um, but the truth of the matter is, um, we want, frankly, the most smart, qualified, and capable people running our government. Yep. And those people can get very lucrative, high paying jobs in other places. Yep. Right now, the only reason they take those jobs is because once they leave, they can get shit tons of money. Yep. They, um, um, you know, the uh, $4 million a year sounds like a lot of money, but it's actually not in comparison to what somebody would make as the CEO of a Fortune 500 company. And the sorts of people who can be president could be doing that. Yang certainly could do that. Yep. So this is, you know, um, so that's, that's the reason for raising the salaries. It's because you're taking away their ability to make bank later. And frankly, if you want to attract the best people, you have to be competitive. Anybody who's been an employer knows that you want, if you want, not only that, but if you want people to be loyal to you, you want your employees to be happy and productive and loyal to you, you've got to pay them. That's just how it works. Um, so moving on, the second part, the real reason he wants to raise all those salaries is because he's telling them, okay, but now you can't go and work in this other industry. You basically are voluntarily signing an employment contract, which is the thing that happens in private industry all the time. You say like, I, I agree not to work for a competitor after this, that sort of thing. It's very common practice. So, um, you know, this is really not a crazy big government idea. It's something that private companies do with employees all the time, especially high level employees who know company secrets. So yeah, no, that's great. I love it. I like everything about it. They can't, because, because it stops that revolving door of them going straight into making bank off of the industries they were just regulating, which it's 
I mean, kind of a no-brainer. I guess we could spell it out if we want to, but it's pretty easy to see how that could lead to a lot of corruption. I completely, totally agree. It, like the the, I mean, so I think about the SEC a lot, right? Because they they're uh, um, you know they they looking at uh, uh, Wall Street as a forex trader and as an equities trader, um, and and reading up on on all the things that went wrong before the uh, the financial crisis. Um, the SEC is a joke. Like it, it, like the, the regulatory body that's supposed to be looking after Wall Street is literally run by uh, the ex CEOs or ex CTOs or ex COOs of Fortune 500 banks, uh, and then they go into the SEC or they go into the Federal Reserve and they come right back out and they go back and like you literally get you know golden parachute on top of golden parachute uh, when you go and do that, and you'll find that they never pass a regulation that in any way, shape, or form affects the bottom line of any of the big banks that they either will go to or have been from. Um, and that, of course, goes. Not only that, but they might privilege a lot of these big companies in a hundred percent. That's actually really bad for small businesses. It's bad yep. for competition. It keeps the little guy down, and make, like it just it creates this kind of corporate kleptocracy that we um, should all be trying to fix. Um, and once again, to point out, the real meaning of capitalism is the separation of the government the separation of state and business, okay? So when you've got this revolving door kleptocracy where you bribe politicians or you go into office just so that you can basically get bribed after you leave office, that kind of thing um, is uh, not real capitalism. So those of our listeners who, like me, consider themselves dynamical capitalists should also not like kleptocracy. Yeah, well, and, and this is the thing, right? We gotta talk about in, intelligent regulation. I'm completely and totally open with that, right? If you wanna see you know, capitalism without any regulation whatsoever, it would be almost as bad as communism. It would be horrendous. Go it wouldn't to Somalia. Be, that would, yeah, that's an awesome point. That also wouldn't be capitalism. It, right, it, it would, it would, would be devolve anarchy. into, right, that's, that's the thing. It would devolve into a kleptocracy, kleptocracy immediately. The people with power and money would capture everything and get all the power and all it the money. Mad Max. <laughs> right, that's, right, it would be Somalia. No, yeah, no, I mean, um, actually, uh, going back to uh, all the way back to the father of capitalism himself, um, Adam Smith uh, in Wealth of Nations, you know, I mean, you need to have laws in order to have trade. You can't have trade without law. That's right. it. Anarchy is not capitalism. Kleptocracy right. is not capitalism. So, you know, in our last episode, we ranted about a lot of people don't understand what socialism is. So now we're setting the, straight, the record straight about capitalism. There you go. And, you know, I think the, the uh, you think going back to the, uh, the human-centered capitalism, I think this could be an interesting measurement to track. Yeah. Does this regulation serve actual people and just don't, don't have uh, 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 oil regulators making that uh, uh, or, or Wall Street regulators making that deduction, right? Like actually be able to track, you know, uh, or have a, uh, uh, well, uh, maybe a, a side chain regulatory body that is actually tracking the effectiveness of these regulations in real time. Which yeah, is well, and I, to do. I, 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 well, yes. And, and what's so lovely about the human capitalism um, policy is that it, it, it literally informs every other policy. Um, mm -hmm. But what, in terms of regulation, um, the, the debate shouldn't be about whether to regulate it or not. That's a silly debate. The debate should be what regulations are good. And our standard for a regulation being good should be that it's fair and that it's good for society. It's good. It shouldn't, you know, we, we shouldn't be doing regulations because it's better for the company we're regulating. We shouldn't be doing regulations because, just because it's bad for the company that we're regulating. Like, it, that shouldn't be our motive. Our motive should be, hey, what makes sense? What's going to maximize the things that we like about competition? What's going to make it so that there's about the, the things we like about capitalism? What's going to make it so that the markets are more competitive, so that consumers have more options, so that employers have more options, so employees have more options, so that everybody's making more money? 
that is that is what regulation should be about. And you do want, you know, there in the case of regulation, frankly, less is more sometimes, right? But then there's also the situation of you can go too far the other direction. And when you deregulate the banks to the extent that they did um, in the 90s, you end up with a, a, a huge recession and a massive bailout. So you, it, it, it's it's complicated well, stuff and you want smart people in there. Making right. Yeah, they they did they didn't regulate them anywhere near enough. The second well, that's what I meant. They, right, yeah. okay. So you said yeah. They, uh, I think you just uh, uh, I might have I probably heard it wrong. I said when yeah. you deregulate them to the when you de I heard regulate when you deregulate them to right. That's exactly it. The like getting rid of Glass Steagall is an example uh, uh, where uh, you know banks could start using uh, uh, money that is. I'm pretty sure it was a Democrat who did that. Uh, it's it's possible. Yeah, Clinton did that, didn't he? Oh, yeah. I think it was. It was. Um, although, although it, I mean, um, Clinton, Clinton was uh, was was pretty conservative. He moved the Democratic Party pretty. pretty yeah, hard. no, it was it was a, a, a Republican Congress and Senate and and a, 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 a encircled, uh, um, you know, Democrat if you want to call him that president. So yeah, 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 yeah. And I I also think that I think that um, Clinton had you know seen coming out of like the Reagan years that there was a real like Americans were afraid of going down the route of the Soviet Union. They were really enamored of the ideas of free markets. And I think it might have been a case of the pendulum swinging a little bit too far in that direction in that case, you know? That makes and, sense. Yeah, so, but I, I, I don't think he was a bad guy. I think, you know, I just, I mean, it's, like I said, this is complicated stuff and you want smart people who have the right motivations. You need to attract smart people, pay them more, and you need to give them the right motivations. Don't let them be crooks. Love it. Good policy. Yang is, uh, I think, I think we've liked all of his policies so far. We've only done like seven of them or something, but still, they've all been great. Yeah. I, uh, I, yeah, I do like them all. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> um, now granted, like he's got a bunch that I haven't even read yet. Cause he keeps throwing them out every, every time he has an idea. He doesn't just have an idea. He then creates a plan, looks at all the data, understands all the data and then makes a plan and then describes I, it. I think important. he has like 10 times as many policies as like the next largest number of policies out of the candidates i i would have to check to see where elizabeth warren is at in the number but if you take her out of that it's probably more than 10 that's true yeah that's a good point warren is does have a reputation for being pretty policy heavy and wonky yeah, yeah no and this is the thing i i really am looking forward to her being on the same like to have to get to the point where everyone is asking everyone else like why aren't you talking like andrew yang is talking because in the same way that Elizabeth Warren went and read the Mueller report and came to the only possible conclusion, if she read or sat down with Andrew Yang, if she read his book, she would literally come away with like, hey, remember that thing I was talking about for childcare? Let's just do the freedom dividend instead. Like, she just would because she's not maybe, stupid. Maybe Yang's running for VP. You know what I mean? Honestly, like, yeah. or labor secretary. So yeah. I don't know if, if, you, guys, if you guys haven't uh, uh, listened to uh, uh, the last preparer. I finally listened to the, his uh, interview with him. Uh, which is fantastic. Preparer actually talks about nine times faster than me, which I totally love because uh, <laughs> he's actually also clear, super smart guy. Uh, anyway, so they, you know, he was he asked uh, he asked this question of all the the presidential candidates. Come on, he basically says, "Listen, what's going to happen if you don't win?" Um, and uh, of course, Andrew Andrew Yang actually answers the question. He said, "Most politicians just say, well, of course I'm going to win.' Da-da-da, right? Andrew Yang immediately, without batting an eyelash, instantaneously said. I just want my ideas. I want to be part of the administration. I want my ideas to actually be put into effect. That's it. And when he says it, there is no option but to, like, he's a million percent genuine. Um, and, uh, you know, Pre Pereira kind of lost it. He was like, that was not expecting that at all. And it just, it, it works because it's true, right? Yes. Um, it, I, 
I guess part of what I inspires me so much about Yang is that he has these very smart, detailed policies, but he also is just a likable, affable, genuine person of good character at the same time. And it's like a once in a lifetime opportunity that you see somebody come along who is, has both of those things. The one thing I, he's missing right. is actual government experience, but you know what? He can fix that by getting a very experienced VP and hiring very, very, very smart advisors. And he would do both of those things. Yeah, I agree. I think he would, I think he, I, I, I think that he would like just clean house in the general election. I think it would be a landslide. Um, but it's a little frustrating for me um, as a conservative uh, Democrat, <laughs> I guess now. Um, <laughs> it's, it's like, oh my gosh, you guys, you're like, 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 like the, they're the only people standing between Yang and the White House right now are the Democratic primary voters. So I'm just, I'm praying that they do. I, so, and this is the thing, like, so I run, I run a progressive news show, right? And so, and, and we kind of run the gamut. Like, I, like I, I've been trying to stay as, well, okay, trying. I, I started out this primary season by saying, I'm going to be as agnostic as humanly possible for as long as I possibly can. And then I watched the Rogan podcast and that literally just burned up into ash. So, and we, we still cover everyone, you know, it's, 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 it's a show for everybody. Uh, but you will notice for the people that listen to my show, there is a dramatic uptick in the number of people that have Andrew Yang as their top pick. Uh, and then it, and then it fans out from there, right? There's, there's, uh, um, the one thing I've noticed that when people, are we going to fight more when Yang's out of the picture? (laughs) I don't uh, No, I don't think we like this, this ethos, this idea, you know, that the, um, you know, in, in part of, part of the, the, you know, the first policy of the democracy dollars. And we were talking about that. And we were talking about the fact that we want to have more, uh, we want to be able to provide more people the ability to do these things instead of restricting other people from doing it. You know, I, I, I think that's, that core value, like the things, the things where that end up coming back in every single podcast, I, I don't think they're going to go away. I really don't like that. Yeah. It's, it's where you but, but, but you're going to have to, you're going to have to come to terms with the fact that a lot of the other options, if Yang drops out, don't have those qualities. Oh, I know. I mean, That's so will I. Like, it's scary. Like, I don't know. I mean, it's I might, not, I, it's not, it's not, it's not Trumper. I'll probably have to, you know, go on uh, team status Joe. I don't know. I don't know where I'll go Joe. after that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we'll find something better than status Joe. Uh, or maybe, maybe, I don't know, like Biden Yang doesn't sound terrible to me. Fuck. <laughs> um, yeah. So, no, it, it'll, it'll get interesting. And this is the thing like, anybody, Anybody that Yang endorses, because I think that'll be powerful too, right? Like, it, like it, it, it'll, it'll, True. it'll be interesting. But yeah, no. I, I, the if the worst case scenario is this podcast takes this this collection of ideas, but more importantly, I think the the, the way that this stuff is being considered and thought about, and just carries it forward to you know a thousand people or ten thousand people or whatever. I think that excuse is enough to just keep it going no matter what, right? Let's go over every single policy and. Oh and yeah, I'll- no, we're definitely we're definitely go forward and we're gonna Heck, yeah, hundred percent. And we're going to try to, I mean, part of what I love about this show is that we don't fight with each other. So that's just kind of what I was saying is like, oh, am I going to have to bite my tongue that much more when you're like all like team Bernie Sanders? I don't know. <laughs> He's the thing like, I can't be team. I mean, this is the thing. If he wins, if he wins the primary. Yeah. I'm, I mean, that's because it like you put and whether it's status Joe is so good. You put status Joe up against uh, up against, you know, uh, Trump. And I'll be yelling at every, every fricking Bernie bro until I'm literally unable to speak. Because uh, it, it, you know, how much privilege do you have to have in your, you know, middle, probably white. I don't think he would win. I really don't. Yeah. No, no, I pr- think he could potentially lose 
he could lose California. He could lose New York. <laughs> it's possible. Biden? Oh, uh, no, I, I think Biden would probably win. I think Yang would be a landslide. I think Biden would probably win. I think Sanders would potentially actually lose some no. of the more like affluent, centralized, like corporate Democrat states. Uh, it's, it, that's a possibility, but I doubt it because Donald Trump. That's true. That's a really good point. Donald Trump is a Trump card. He's a Trump card. And maybe that's the reason why we've got this reason that uh, people are less, less scared of. Uh, although, I don't know. I mean, yet Sanders isn't pulling as well. He's not doing as well as he did last time around. I know it's a wider field, but it, people, a, lot of, a lot of partisans are, I'm not partisans, a, a lot of pundits are talking about like, hey, does, does Sanders have a ceiling? You know, in this sense. It, in my- that, that's a possibility. You know, I'm looking at it like in, and it's still really early too, right? Yeah. In, in Iowa, I found, I found this out yesterday. He's got 25,000 volunteers on the ground in Iowa. Well, I mean, he always had like a very enthusiastic base. Right. right? So I think like the yeah, way it's going to shake up by that. I think Yang is, ha- is, is further along now than Sanders was this early yes. in the primary before. 100%. So Yang also has a very enthusiastic base. But if, um, you know, if either of them actually wants to win, they need to have more than just a lot of you know, really gung-ho minions. They need to get regular low-information voters who barely pay attention to actually write their name or check the box with their name or yes. chat or whatever, however yep. they, they're in their, uh, um, in their state. But yeah, <laughs> you know. Whatever, got- whatever the dummies do. I mean, so like the-, the that's, 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 yeah. the reason, that's the reason Sanders lost California. I mean, he only got like 14% of the African-American vote. You can't win a Democratic primary that way. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Uh, yeah, this is the thing. The, it's super early. We're, we're all engaged in it, right? But it is really, really early. And the debates are coming up in uh, uh, a few weeks here. That's where things are going to change. I, I honestly believe that. The, I think the, the, the debates are on uh, my anniversary. <laughs> it's my sorry, sorry Rios' wife. No, it's awesome. My wife is super gung-ho. We're going to have friends nice. over. We're going to do a drinking game. We're going to watch the debates. And then, we'll, and then either before or after, we'll go out and do something, just the two of us, of course. Not the same day, but like another day. To celebrate. That, no, that makes sense. The day of, it's definitely like debate party. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, it's going to be – it's going to be epic. Like, honestly, like he's, he's – he, I think he's going to be pulling at 3% by then, right? He needs to be pulling at 3% to get into the second round of debates. He's in for the first two. That's fine, right? Yeah. I'm gonna be. I'm not gonna be surprised if he's over ten percent uh, uh, by then, and I'm not gonna be surprised if he comes in third in either Iowa or New Hampshire. Which means that this is a like completely different shit show when when uh, when that happens. Um, yeah, I, how do we feel about that? I, I I I have to say I actually think that the Democratic Party is being is being rather fair and noble in the way they're doing it. I think that it makes sense to have a low bar for qualifying. I mean, you don't want to let just any Joe Schmo who says they're running for president. I mean, in the debate. you have to have a standard. Right? Half the senators aren't going to make it. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yang is doing better than a lot of actual politicians, which is amazing. So, but like they have a they have a fairly low bar for the first debate and a slightly higher bar for the second debate. I think that's a very fair way of doing it. Yep. Um, and it makes it possible for newcomers like Yang to work their way up, you know, because it yep. takes time to build up that kind of momentum. Mm-hmm. So, I I I I think that. Part of what I love about Yang too is that he's not a populist. I know that like people say he's a populist because he has policies that are good for people, but that's not actually what populism means. We, I love going to the semantic stuff. Like pop, populism, <laughs> it's not. It, it could be on the left. It could be on the right. It could be in favor of any. It doesn't say anything at all about what your politics actually are. What makes someone a, pol- a populist is they use rhetoric that that basically falls into the trap of saying of basically saying that all quote the people 
all have a single coherent set of values and priorities and that the politician represents the people as opposed to only a fraction of the people, which is all a politician can ever represent in a real democracy. Mm -hmm. That they stand as like a bulwark against the evil, corrupt, crooked elites who are usually some kind of like smorgasbord of Jews or whatever, you know, aliens, lizard people, whatever it is that they believe, you know, keep the little man down. That's populism. It's that it's that red rhetorical style, which if you think about it is is really quite anti-democratic because in a de- the whole point of a democracy is that you recognize that the people are a bunch of individuals and that we have different values and different priorities and we don't all agree with each other. Yeah. And there's no one savior who represents all of us. Yeah, that's my, my biggest concern about, uh, you know, about the, the, the Bernie group now. As a Bernie supporter in 2015, 2016, really early on, the second that Elizabeth Warren wasn't running, I was like, well, Bernie Sanders, duh. Um, it's become very tribal and insular now. And I think you kind of brought it up, like the fact that, you know, uh, uh, there was a bunch of shenanigans at the DNC. They didn't have these good rules that they have now. Um, and it was clearly, you know, uh, uh, and knowingly being Don't say run. rigged. That's just playing right into Trump's hands. It was no. rigged. No, listen, like it, 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 they, you know, what's so funny is he was so ready to say that the, that the actual general election was rigged. Oh, I know. Until he won, I know. Right? And then, and That's then like everything though. Crying, like absolutely yeah. from reports like, for Milan, he's crying like, oh my God, you promised me you wouldn't actually win. What's going on? I know, right? Oof. I think he just did it as a big PR stunt. I don't think he I, I completely agree. And then the Russians got a hold of him and they're like, wait a minute. Uh, and of course, the American people are far, far, far darker and more disgusting than we generally believe. Uh, at least uh, at least some of them. Uh, you know, which is sad. Anyway, the, the populism with the, 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 the Bernie camp now you know, they, they feel put upon and, and they're literally starting to say, and I don't think Bernie Sanders does this that much, but they're literally people on Facebook now. They're like, Bernie Sanders is the only one. Granted, Biden uh, has Biden is the only one. And no, 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 no. I think all those people are completely insane. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, that, that, that worries me because. Well, the, yeah, and pop, populism is rising everywhere. It's not just right. in the US, you know, and, and it is, it's, uh, we've said this before, but I want to say it again, like. No, I don't think it's that the regular person is, is, is necessarily that bad of a person. I think it's just, it, there's a reason it's happening. Um, you know, it's, it's the reason Brexit happened. Um, you, see it, you see it happening in, in Italy with the, the rise of populist radical parties. There's, there's this weird coalition between fascists and communists in Italy right now. You know, I mean, all this stuff is happening and it's happening because people um, are starting to notice that even though we live in a very prosperous um, peaceful time and the uh you know sort of classical western world order since world war ii has has created a lot of prosperity a lot of people are getting left behind and they're feeling fed up with it you know um so that's the more sympathetic characterization that you can make for it but you know that's where the whole like fool me once shame on you fool me twice shame on me thing comes in you know what i mean like okay we all know we all know what like look through history Hitler was a populist. He got a bunch of working class people to revolt and say that they were coming up against the elite Jews who were keeping everybody down and those bankers. I mean, yeah, all you need is another play out before we've seen this play out before. And on the left, you see it again with the Khmer Rouge and, and um, you know, the Soviet, the Soviet Union. I mean, this, 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 this is not a script that ends well for anybody. Um, We need to resist populism. And so I really want to stress that. It's in the news. <laughs> like, let's just, wherever you are, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, if you agree to disagree about specific political goals and policies, that's fine. That's good. That's what democracy is for. But whoever you support, 
please don't have it be somebody who uses that populist rhetoric because it's just, it's anathema to democracy and it's a threat, it's an existential threat to liberty. Show over. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, actually, I think it might be winding down though because we've got- You know, we were, we were getting there and I was like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of a dark place to end it on though. Maybe no, can... I think that, <laughs> there is a rise of populism everywhere and, 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 and the conservative on the show, I'll have everyone note, is noticing that you know, the, 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 the reality, um, and sometimes even more so the perception, but the reality of income inequality is, is the root, right? Like when you feel, when there is that economic problem, and obviously it was, it was much, much worse in Germany in 1930, but like it, it is bad in a lot of places. There are a lot of people getting left behind. That means that you can get a demagogue in like Trump that can come in and just make up another, right? We know that they were losing uh, uh, jobs because of automation, but he says, no, it's the brown people, not immigrants. Because honestly, and it, you, this was messed up. You ask him about immigrants from freaking Norway and Sweden. He's like, no, they're, they're fine. I'm like, holy shit, Nazi. Right, like I, I, yes, and I and I would I would I would I'm happy um, as a conservative to, to say that that's what he's doing, um, and also to distance myself from the alt right with the statement that the only thing that is alternative about the alt right is that they are left wing. But that said, um, I love watching leftists hear you say that because they're like, "What the? <laughs> oh man, you say that to an alt right guy, and there's nothing that'll piss him off more than that." Oh no, even like I, I watch because I know what you mean because we've actually talked about it. But I like I I uh, you know I have seen the reactions from some of my progressive friends when you say that they're like hey well they, oh, take they it don't want the association but you know right. but, I, mean, I wouldn't i wouldn't either but to, like to dig into why is where there where are a lot of similarities between trump and sanders and i to, to, to sanders's credit i will say he doesn't do the kind of like ethnocentric um version of nationalism that trump does which is definitely an improvement but he is also doing this like kind of toxic class warfare version of it where he you know where it's like down with the man down with the one percent you know eat the rich kind of stuff and that's that's also that is more of the kind of Khmer rouge style where it killed it killed the nerds kind of kind of populism and that's also scary so i think i think both sides need to be careful about this I, both sides in the sense of sense of American or in the sense of uh, uh, Democrat and Republican, not in the sense of right. right. Because I'm going to take the claim that Trump is not right wing to the grave. I no, I, you're right. I mean, I like that. You know, if you look at his actual policies to the extent that he has any, right? He's really not. Does, it, <laughs> does he have a single? I like walls. Cool. You're an idiot. That's, that's <laughs> the side that he's on. His best wall, and we're gonna pay. Like I don't know. I mean, I suppose if he actually got managed to get Mexico to pay for it, you could say that would be conservative but of course that's not the way it's working out it's not, it's not how any of this works um yeah no i mean this is the thing like i don't think we should insult anyone by saying that he's right or left uh because he's not he doesn't care he really doesn't oh, care yeah and no i don't i don't mean this i absolutely i don't mean that as an insult i'm just saying no like, no i know i know you don't it's just like for anyone for anyone that is misunderstanding this yeah <laughs> but, no, if, you, if right. you look at his positions on trade they're left-wing positions that's just a fact that's just the way it is well, I, I, yeah, it's it's tough for me to even uh, qualify that, but like far left, like communist positions, maybe. Um, well, is, yeah, I mean, they're exactly, yeah. yeah. I, well, you know, America First was a was a slogan that was used by Nazi sympathizers leading up to World War Two. This isolation, yep. um, this like, let's close our borders down, let's not trade with the foreigners, you can't trust the foreigners, that kind of stuff. It's always been a left wing thing. It's motivated by a desire to quote save working class jobs, and it's it's just it's short sighted because in the long term, of course, it's bad for the economy. If it's bad for the economy, it's bad for everybody's jobs. Also, concentration camps not a good look. 
Right, and, and I mean, but, like, to, to, now. there's this, uh, I'm trying to remember what it is, but there's this, uh, um, this is like rule of logic that says, once you mention Hitler, you've lost the debate. Like, let's be clear, it, uh, you know, I'm not saying that, that Trump is an equivalent to Hitler, but. I there, will. I mean, <laughs> no, I won't, I won't go that far. But I will say, I will say that he's, he's, he's dog whistling to people who think Hitler was a good guy. And that scares the hell out of me. Yeah, it's, a, it's a, like, the, the problem is, is that so many other people use the Hitler thing for so many stupid reasons that we can't, on They've the one on it yeah that's sure. exactly it like the one time when the sky is actually falling you're like no 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 but like seriously he's not all the way down the hitler road but he's freaking kind of turned the corner there, you know like there are, there are people who support him who are and and again to draw a parallel with with uh sanders he's not you know he's not a stalin but there are there are people who think stalin did nothing wrong who support sanders and and that's just what happens when you get to the fringes of political discourse you start the crazy start coming out of the woodwork ordinarily I would just, I want to disagree with you on that, but I've actually seen that a couple of times where there, you know, the, the, you know, the, and, and it's, it's like literally twice in the entire history of my life as a human being. And, and honestly, I've seen it more times, but I probably wasted way too much time arguing with communists on Facebook back in the day. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I never, I never argued. Not a useful use of my time. I'm so happy that I'm doing it, making this podcast now instead. Yeah. It's, 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 Let's it's channel a this thing. energy in a better direction. <laughs> right. Yeah. So and, well, and this is the thing, I think in the context of, of Andrew Yang being a thing that is real, right. Um, I think that puts so much of this into stark relief because now you have people that are Bernie Sanders supporters that are supporting a $15 minimum wage that is factually mathematically stupid now, right? As far as like a prime order policy idea. Again, I've been backing a $15 minimum wage for a long time. And in the absence of anything else, I still would. Uh, but the jobs guarantee, you know, again, I can see how a trusted, intelligent uh, uh, legislature and politician could make that work could make that a real thing. This country's done that before. It, you know, if you mobilize everyone, you can actually do that and produce really, 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 really amazing things. Well, yeah, that- and to be clear, I mean, we're, we're gonna do, um, I think we might, our next episode even might actually have the uh, Yang's infrastructure policy. I mean, everybody, right. pretty much everybody is in favor of employing people when you actually have something to do. That's fine. Right. But I, not, the, pro- the problem is this idea that like, oh, well, we have to make sure everybody has a job and we'll figure out something for you to do after the fact. That's the part that's a little scary. And that does get you into right. that like you know china shovels territory it, right it, it really can i think i think and i think it's important to understand the china's shovels uh, uh story in a, in a in a big way um which 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 was really groundbreaking for me and so yeah like we've got every single one of these policies and we're going to keep doing you know a couple at a time because we always end up ranting and raving about literally everything which is awesome uh you know it, it they they do redound to that what i would say is really kind of the american ethic like the, with the ideal, like the, the, what it was supposed to be about, that it just hasn't been about for a long time, right? Like people are getting left behind. We're literally like, there's a whole, you know, 20% of the population that are like, eh, Nazis weren't that bad. Wait, what? Because of this income inequality and it's so easy to otherize people, right? And, you know, the, the people on, on uh, the super far left that are like, no, we don't need capitalism. Oh, have you seen what happens without it? Like, you actually see people say things like that. You know, um, it's just it was just Western propaganda that made it sound like the Soviet Union was a bad place, and that all those those human rights violations didn't really happen. Like, that's messed up. It's like the left wing version of Holocaust denial. It's exactly what it is. And like, that's it's embarrassing that that exists. (laughs) But you know, that's the thing. And so now we've got this we've got this space that is coming from a position of 
you know, both Rio and I, uh, uh, you know, agree in our first, very first conversation that we don't want people to get by. We want people to be doing awesome and not, you know, a few people, everybody, you know, that, that yeah, should we wanna, be, the- we want to lift the floor without, without lowering the ceiling. Right. Except, this is a question I wanted to ask you before. <laughs> Let's say that I am king of America and I'm going to make a maximum wage. I'm going to do it, but I'm going to set it wherever you tell me to set it. Okay. So I see what you're saying. You're telling me it's not, I don't have the option, um, the, the traditional free market option of telling you I don't want a maximum wage. Right. You're, saying, you're like, okay, this is going to happen. There's going to be a maximum wage. You have to pick it. Yeah. Um, and hold on. And it would have to be. Yeah, honestly, I'd probably set it. I mean, I, I, if I, I mean, if you have to do it, then you want to get some real benefits out of it in order to do that. You, so like the, the, the argument for benefits of a maximum wage would be that um, whatever you're not spending on overpaying your CEO, you have money to spend on investing in other things. And it's, can, yeah, automatically assuming that every penny goes actually, into the freedom dividend. Well, every, and it's, and right. it's really, yeah, of course. Yeah. It, well, and also frankly, if you had a maximum wage and the rest went, then people just wouldn't pay anybody over that amount is the way it would work out. But yeah. like from a, from a business perspective, it's actually, you know, the only reason that you pay CEOs so much money now is because the competition can. So if, if the competition didn't have that option, you didn't have to, you know, lure them in that way. You would have to lure them in. Once you've met the maximum wage, you'd have to lure them in by offering them other perks. That's um, yeah, so that would, that would be all right. Um, so in order to get the benefit of like really actually like freeing up money to invest in the economy by paying other people more or by investing in other ways, you'd actually want it to be fairly low but you still also want it to be high enough that it's worth it for, for somebody to work their way up the ladder like that. Right. So I'd probably set it at like something in like the 10 to 50 million range. I, it's super weird when we total like, I, <laughs> like, I figured it'd be way higher than that. My, I also, I'm, frankly, who needs any more money than that? Like, like, this is the point, like, right? Like, holy socialist, Batman. Uh, <laughs> right, I nailed it. No, because like I, I often tell people like, listen, I think 20, 25 million, and this includes capital gains, the whole yards, 25 million a year, past 25 million a year, you're struggling to figure out how to spend it. You just are, right? That's like square in the middle of what I said. That's funny. I know, I know. And that's like, I, that, that's what when you said 10 to 50, I'm like, podcast over. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you've ended this one a few times already. So maybe we should actually wrap it up. Yeah, no, we should, we should totally do that. All right. Thank you guys very much for li- listening to the, uh, uh, the Moving Forward podcast. Again, uh, I am your, one of your hosts, Corey Cottrell, and this is my buddy, Rio Veradineer. Uh, make sure that you're – go ahead. I oh, should totally I, do that. Just pause. Because oh, yeah. sometimes I pause. <laughs> and like, sometimes I don't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> guys, anyway. Uh, make sure you join the uh, the Moving Forward uh, uh, group on uh, Facebook. Uh, and of course, watch out for the Patreon that we will be releasing soon. Uh, uh, and uh, watch out for the Andrew Yang is our taco t-shirts because that's going to happen for sure. Uh, yeah. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you very much for listening to the Moving Forward podcast. Uh, we are so excited to be bringing this to you, and we're so excited about the uh, the awesome community, the Yang Gang that's growing up around the candidacy uh, of Andrew Yang. Uh, if you could, please tag us on Twitter with the hashtag Moving Forward Pod and uh, find and join the Moving Forward podcast uh, group on Facebook. Thanks, and we'll see you next time.